Hey, Blaine from DTC Pod here, and today we've got two amazing AI tools for you guys to check out. So AI is obviously eating the world, and these two by HubSpot, where you're really gonna love. So the first one's called Content Assistant. Basically helps you create amazing content, which matters more today than ever. Everyone's creating content, so you've gotta stand out. Um, with HubSpot's AI-powered Content Assistant, you can brainstorm, create, and share content of Flash, all inside a super easy to use CRM. So, you know, think things like, brainstorming blog ideas, blog outlines, drafting copy on any topic from marketing trends to media kits or writing value props for your landing pages, prospecting emails and more. Uh, the second one is ChatSpot, which is basically a conversational bot that sits on top of your HubSpot CRM. So it's gonna automate all the manual tasks inside of HubSpot, help you engage more customers, close more deals and scale a little bit faster. Um, so if you want to find out more about how to use AI to grow your business, check out hubspot.com slash artificial dash intelligence. As a D2C brand, you need real-time financial visibility to save money and make better decisions. Waiting for books from slow and expensive bookkeepers that don't get e-commerce is slowing you down. Trusted by hundreds of brands, Finaloop is a real-time accounting service built by D2C founders for D2C founders. Try Final Loop completely free, no credit card required. Just visit finalloop.com slash d2cpod and get 14 days free and a two-month PL within 24 hours with all the e-com data and breakdowns you need to crush it. What's up, DTC Pod? Today we're joined by Jeremy Barbara, who is the head of influencer marketing at Sunday. So Jeremy, I'll let you kick us off. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and what you guys are up to and what you're responsible for at Sundays. Sure. Yeah. So I've been doing influencer marketing for about seven or eight years. Uh, started at SeatGeek, the ticketing company, when I was in college as a little influencer marketing intern. I got into influencer marketing the same way most people do, by accident. Um, basically helped build that program over the next four years. Uh, at, and when I first started, it was really just trading tickets for low-level YouTube shout-outs, just my boss and I trying to be really scrappy about it. Um, over the next four years, we built that program into uh, you know one of SeatGeek's biggest marketing channels and what SeatGeek ultimately became really well-known for. Then I uh, spent the next three years at Current, the mobile banking app. Similar situation, we weren't doing a lot of influencer marketing when I started, helped build that program into one of Current's bigger programs as well. Uh, also, I've handled some audio partnerships at both SeatGeek and Current. Uh, and now, uh, for the last eight months, I've been at Sundays for Dogs. I try to build a new influencer marketing program there. Just started, like I said, eight months ago. Uh, we haven't really done any influencer stuff leading up to that. So pretty much starting from scratch, which to me is always the, the most fun part, you know, testing new channels, trying new things. Um, but yeah, that's a little bit about where I'm at. Sweet, Jeremy. So I'm curious, can you unpack for us um, what the setting up the program entail how do you how do you set up the program and then how do you define you know which one is the right channel to start with sure yeah so uh for us i mean at, everywhere i've ever been everyone i've ever talked to about starting an influencer marketing program really uh the ultimate goal where you want to get to is something that's like functions pretty it's like a pretty well-oiled machine on its own where like you are obviously every month trying and testing new things but the things that work kind of run on their own so like when we first started SeatGeek, again, it's a lot of testing uh, different channels, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, testing different categories of, of uh, YouTuber, or Instagram influencer, whatever, um, testing different kinds of strategies, talking points, et cetera, and ultimately doubling down on what works and booking that out long term. So then basically you have like this, 
this, uh, you know, this uh, foundation of longer term partnerships that you can build more tests on top of. Uh, so that's what I mean when I say building out a program where you can ultimately, I mean, both CP Current and even now at Sundays, you can get to multiple millions of dollars a month of spend and influencer with really a, a pretty lean team of four or five people. Yeah. So I just wanted to ask one more thing, Lane, which is what's a, like, I, I know there's no, you know, blueprint answer for this, but what is enough budget? to test because we're talking channels we're talking messaging we're talking demographics of creators you can easily spend 10 grand just testing one messaging so um at what point is like look i wouldn't even bother if you don't have x budget to test or something i i don't think that there is too little to test influencer because ultimately it just changes the type of influencer you're going to work with so if you're in a position where you don't have a lot of money you can really only trade product for shout outs like we were doing at SeatGeek. That's the kind of thing where you can still, depending on obviously how expensive your product is, like there are influencers out there. Obviously, they're not going to have millions of views, not even maybe, you know, maybe thousands of views that you can trade products for shout outs. Or if you're willing to spend a couple hundred dollars, $500, you can work with a little bit, influ- a little bit bigger influencers, maybe high thousands to 10,000 followers. There's always people you can work with. And when I say, you know, obviously I've been fortunate enough to work at companies where we have a little bit more to, more budget to test and therefore we can test influencers with you know maybe a hundred thousand followers and a thousand followers and eventually get up to millions of followers everyone's going to be a little bit different but ultimately with any budget you can try a lot of different things tweet uh jeremy the one of the reasons i was pumped to talk to to you is because you've been able to work in a variety of different companies like you said being able to work from everything from a marketplace to a you know consumer finance tool to a dog food product right and um what i'm really curious about is like you need a strategy right every time you're you're launching the the influencer campaign based on what you have to offer for seed geek obviously it's great you guys have tickets to really amazing events that everyone's going to probably want to go to and it makes for a really natural way to shout out the product and i'm curious for you know for different sorts of products like your the finance platform that you worked with and Sundays, which your audience is going to be people who are more creators that either have dogs or are influencing around that. Like, how do you identify the type of creator that you're looking to work with? And how do you identify what you have to offer them from your product? Like, what were the products that you were offering when you were working in, in the finance space? And like, now when you're thinking about Sundays, like, what are you, you know, working with with creators um, when when you're setting up those campaigns? Sure. Yeah. So it's a great thought. And I think the the first step is always identifying like, what is the lowest hanging fruit? Like, how can you connect to influencers in the easiest way? So like for SeatGeek, the obvious thing is one, looking for channels that are very sports specific. So we're working with like NBA, 2K YouTubers, Madden YouTubers, et cetera. And then B, how can you give them something that's worth it to them? And a lot of times it could just be like, hey, this is how much I charge for partnership and you, and you pay that. You don't always have the benefit of being in SeatGeek situation where you can just like trade a product that everybody wants. But then also just finding unique ways to get creative with, with like ultimately one of the biggest hacks for doing influencer marketing is like creating mutually beneficial relationships by like linking the audience in a way that they can't link it themselves. So like current, the best example or what worked really well for us 
was we would do these giveaways that would, and they, but they wasn't just like a monetary giveaway. It was we were connecting the audience in a way that they weren't normally able to connect with the creator. So like we worked with Tim the Tapman on Twitch on a campaign where basically he was playing Call of Duty, and for every kill he got, he would give a hundred dollars to a random person in chat, and he'd pay them through the current app. So you have like this excitement around the giveaway, but you're also naturally now connecting Tim the Tapman to his followers through the current app. People are downloading the app so that they can interact with him, sharing screenshots of them getting money from him. Anytime that you can make the content better, it's it's a natural fit for any creator because ultimately like what a lot of people get wrong in influence marketing is they give this, you know, this script of you have to say this, 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 in this exact way. And therefore you've kind of circumvented the whole point of influencer marketing, which is like that they have the influence, they can talk to their audience. So anytime you can give them that creative freedom to integrate your product in a way that makes sense for them, that's how you that's how you win. So I'm curious, how did you guys end with that specific? How did you arrive at that specific strategy? Is this, you know, I'm sure an element of like relationship building with them over time and just shooting, texting back and forth, messaging back and forth, sending inspo, um, or is it an internal brainstorm or was it up to the creator? It's a little bit of both. And that's a great point of the whole, this is entirely a relationship game and it's all about like mutual trust and working with these creators. So like, you know, that was something that we arrived at a little bit later at current. At first, it was more of like the low hanging fruit, like how do we just start this program? How do we start working with creators? What's what's the easiest thing to do? And as you build those relationships, you can start to throw out more interesting ideas. So generally, like the way I see it, it's like, you want to give them, you want to give creators creative freedom, but it's also really hard to just say, hey, here's your creative freedom, do whatever you want. Because like you want to give them some kind of guidance. So like for the Tim the Tapman thing, for example, I think it was we had an internal brainstorm of like, okay, here's some things we could do. Let's bring them. They're very open-ended and pretty broad. Let's bring them to him, see if he has any ideas. And then they can take that and come back. And ultimately we arrive at this idea that, you know, ended up working really well for us. So it's, yes, it's a, it's very much a relationship game. And it's about building mutual trust. Yeah, I I actually want to take a step back to the process before even engaging and getting into the relationship base. What is your what is what is the right influencer marketing team look like? Like how many people are there? You know, details as like the negotiation and vetting, is this an opportunity that's worth it? Um is it worth it at a certain price point? Um but if it's priced then it might just not be worth it. Like how do you vet the opportunities and and what does the team look like for like who handles a relationship who does the negotiation or is it a one-man show you can i've seen it I, i've seen it done in a lot of different ways it, generally the way i've seen it work the best it usually does start as, as a one-person show because a lot of companies you know influencer marketing is a pretty intimidating you know form of marketing to get into because it is still even as they kind of the wild west so like generally it's about proving that it's going to work proving that there's some kind of strategy and generally that's a that's a one person thing and then as you build you know you can only handle so many relationships even under the format i talked about before where it's like once you have something that works you book it out long term that requires less you know work now you can do more tests and it, it all piles on top of each other but eventually you do need more people but even at SeatGeek current these companies where we were spending a lot of money on influencer marketing never had a team of more than five people um, and generally that was one person kind of focused on strategy and, you know, oversight of, of the overall strategy itself. And then people doing the daily negotiating, executing, finding influencers, 
pretty much the whole process from start to so let's let's I want to like um, zoom in a little bit more. Let's say you get a response back. You have your system reaching out to people. You get a response back and it's like, hey, Jeremy, thanks for reaching out. Here's my YouTube. Here's my Instagram. By the way, I have a podcast and a newsletter. Here's the stats. Here's my rates. How do you evaluate this opportunity? Sure. I mean, I'm I'm biased. Um, I focus I and I've always focused mostly on YouTube and we can get into the reasons for that in a second, but yes. Well, so I do think that, uh, it's a bit of a misconception how expensive YouTube can be. Cause again, I think it really depends on the size of influence you're looking at. Like people talk about rates on YouTube, keep going up and up and up. And what they're talking about usually is like these A-list YouTubers, these bigger YouTubers, but you can still do really great and do a ton of influencer stuff on YouTube for $20 CPMs, which I think in my personal opinion from, you know, working for a handful of companies and also just talking to others is like that, that CPM will work for most companies. If you can get $20 CPMs on YouTube consistently, it's going to work. Um, and that's generally like when you're first working with a partner, really all you have to go on is the views, the CPM pricing. Like you really don't have a lot of information, especially if it's the first time ever working with any influencer. Like all you can really price based on is, is, is the impressions. Obviously, you want to look at a lot of other stuff when you're trying to determine if you should work with an influencer. But in terms of the pricing, that's really all you have to go out of. So that's usually what I'm looking at. So, okay. So we'll look at the CPM. Let's say, okay, this is a CPM that makes sense for us. Campaign is successful. How do you then turn this into a long-term relationship like you said? Do you think leverage is handed over to the creator by now, you know, it working so well? And like, what is a long-term relationship that you typically partner? Yeah. Well, after you have done that first video, you have a ton more information. Because um, we're, we're, I'm talking direct response, you know, direct response video is not necessarily brand here. But um, once you know the performance of links, codes, and you know, you, you get an idea of how much this influencer is driven for you, it gives you a lot. I think it gives you a lot more leverage to say, hey, you know, this is what we saw. This is how much we can pay at this point. Um, and and work from there. And generally, I'm looking at like we'll we'll book that first video, and if it works, it's like all right, we'll book a handful more, three to five, and then like if it's just continually working, it's like all right, let's talk about like a bigger partnership over a year that maybe includes a bunch of other stuff other than YouTube. Okay, so you go you go up to three five videos. Um, I'm rapid firing here because I've I've ran this process myself. So um, my last question regarding YouTube. I mean, I love YouTube as well as a channel for creators because I've seen it on Google Analytics. You get compounding views. You have SEO. Um, Instagram is more so like the video has to pop then and there. You know, TikTok has an element of SEO. Um, but I'm curious when you're running um, the YouTube campaigns and you um, partner longer term with the creators, are there any, like, what's the difference between the branded like uh what's it called it's like the the whole video it's a dedicated video um or in, integration or something like that like what's the main difference between both of those and do you guys do you recommend one over the other i've always done integrations um a dedicated video would mean the entire video is dedicated to like let, let's let's say it's like a product review now this is probably also just because like the companies that i've worked for and the creators that we worked with, it didn't really make sense for like, I don't know, a David Dobrik to just do like a dedicated video all about Seeky. You know what I mean? Um, dedicated videos are 
incredibly expensive. Um, they work for a very in-depth product like tech products. Um, but generally what I'm focused on is, you know, a 60 second integration. But again, I, I want that to be a true integration of like integrating the product into the video rather than just like, now I'm going to go talk with my sponsor. We change setting, they read off a, a script for six seconds and then they go back to the video. Like I'm really fo- like good creator partnership to me are ones where the product is actually integrated. Into the video. Right. It's just casually like natural in the conversation. Yeah. And do, do you guys set performance? Like, how do you feel about performance, bonus, compensations based on certain metrics, et cetera? I see, like, that's where sort of affiliate meets influencer marketing. For sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I play with that a lot. Again, like, I'm pretty stingy with when it comes to working with someone for the first time. I'm pretty stingy about the CPMs. Like, I try to, again, stay in the, the range that we're comfortable with. And a lot of, especially the bigger creators, aren't super comfortable with that. But again, because you've built a relationship and there's this mutual trust, a lot of times, you know, you can work in creative ways to to make things happen. So like, for example, if I'm looking at a channel with a really, you know, views fluctuate a ton and maybe a, an average CPM at $20 is $20, but like there's a chance that I'm going to end up paying $100 CPM just because some of these videos don't get as many views. Then I really like to talk about view bonuses. Like, okay, if you hit 100K views, we can give this bonus, et cetera. I, I want to make it a fair deal. I think like, if you go into influencer marketing, just trying to like rip off influencers, or if an influencer is going into a brand deal, trying to just like get the money and run, like it's just never going to be good for anybody. Like the best creator partnerships are one that ones that last a long time because it's mutually beneficial to the creator and the brand. So I never want to, you know, short sell somebody or try to rip them off and, and vice versa. Yo, Jeremy, my question is when you're you're setting up those partnerships, like you're saying, you want it to be a long term partnership that en- ends up working and everything. But, um, you know, for for you guys right now, like at Sundays, right, like what type of CPMs are you seeing? What are you like looking to hit? What's reasonable? What are people quoting you on? Yeah. Wh- why don't you give us the lay of the land? Yeah, I mean, it it varies a ton. It varies a lot depending on the type of influencer you're talking to. It depends on the agency you're talking to. Um, I, again, think that, you know, we, we've pretty strictly stuck to like 20 to $30 CPM on YouTube and have been able to do a ton of stuff. Um, that's because we, now we, at that $20 CPM, you're not going to be able to work with YouTubers who are getting millions of views, like the A-list names that everybody knows, but you can still get a lot done. Um, when it comes to other platforms, TikTok, Reels, etc., I'm I'm pretty. I'll, I'll probably cut that almost in half to like a ten dollars CPM, just because, like, again, I I trust YouTube the most, and that's for a lot of reasons. I just think, like, when you look at influencer marketing and the reasons it works, like the influencers who get themselves to YouTube have the most influence because there's the most intent and there's the most attention on YouTube. So, like. You look at a platform like Twitter, for example, the attention is really low. You're seeing a tweet for maybe a second. The intent is also at this point pretty low because a lot of it is now algorithm-based, not necessarily even who you're following. We'll go to TikTok. TikTok is very high on attention. You know, you could spend a minute, multiple minutes watching a video, but your intent for seeing that video is pretty low. It's all algorithm-based. You, you may have never seen this creator before in your life. Whereas YouTube, you go on there and you're searching for something, you're searching for someone and you are seeing the video, you're clicking that video, you are signaling that you are willing to spend five, 10, 20 minutes of your time watching this creator. That's why I think influence marketing works the best on YouTube is because the the people with the most influence are getting the views on YouTube. 
And also now you have more time to actually talk about your product. It's really hard to get a good integration on TikTok because like the content and the ad have to be one. And it's really hard to do that. At least on on YouTube, you have some time for some talking points. You can like talk about a product a little bit without taking too much away from the content. Yeah, I think that's a really important point to make. It's like not all platforms are necessarily created equal. And Ramon, even this is something I talk a lot about with Ramon when it comes to podcasting, right? And we talked to podcast advertising as a channel and it's like, it's really unique because like you're saying, there there might be a lot of in, intent. You may have a lot of trust established with the host um, and then that ad is being read in their own voice or they're even natively just talking about products they like within their you know longer form content as opposed to like you're saying uh an impression on twitter like what does that really mean do we know who saw it do we know if they had converted so i think you know really building out um your marketing strategy so you're able to especially when you're testing out like you're saying you want more intent you want to be able to prove that there is conversion and because like on instagram me and ramona have run a bunch of tests on instagram and sure we'll hit things and other times things will totally flop and then we may have like users coming in from all over the planet that like we don't even know their intent or why the hell they're even in our service to begin with so um i I really like that idea in terms of really you know being strategic with your marketing dollars in terms of you know what's the intent happening on the other end uh what's the relationship like between that influencer creator and their audience and, and and thinking about it that way as opposed to just like oh a cpm is a CPM doesn't matter what platform it's on newsletter, you know, blog post, whatever. It's all the same. No, it's it's yeah. But, but how do you know? Like, how do you know? How do you know how to back? Like, how to backtrack the math from the CPM to what that will translate that into a customer acquisition cost or something? Like, how did you get to that CPM for your business? Yeah, I mean, it's generally, like you know. It, it, it's the kind of thing that requires to like, I, I have always, you know, both at, at Seeky current and Sundays always started. It was like, all right, we're starting this program. We want to pay reasonable prices. And to me, a reasonable price is a $20 CPM on YouTube. And you can, once you get more information about, okay, how, how are those views translating to conversions and CAC? Now you can get a better idea of what you can actually pay. Um, so it, it, at first we're basing it on CPM, but eventually it becomes more about like, okay, can, should we adjust the CPM based on if we're coming in too high or coming in too low on CAC? And so you lock that based on your blended from a blended view, especially because it's early days. So you sort of know what your daily averages are, and then you log whenever a post is going up, and that's how you can sort of see the traction that a specific video might have brought. Well, so we'll do, we'll track with links and codes and there's never a perfect science, but it's like on YouTube. And another reason I like YouTube, it's one of the more trackable platforms. Generally, people are pretty good about clicking link in bio if you ask them to versus or in description rather than like a link in bio on TikTok. Um, So usually with uh, links and codes, you can get a pretty good sense of how much a specific YouTube video is bringing in for you. And then there's other ways of like post-purchase surveys where we have people you know, write in, they'll, they'll say they came in through YouTube and they can write in even a specific YouTuber. Um, and then also like with bigger influencers, especially if you have a business that has like a pretty consistent daily traffic, you can see those organic bumps of like, okay, we saw X amount increase in, in traffic. So using all that to kind of figure out, all right, on a video basis, how well did this video do? Now we can take a look at, all right, how many views did this video get? 
backtrack into the CAC we saw and maybe adjust the CPMs for the next video that we do with this creator. And then also, you know, that $20 CPM might be a general rule for when we're first working with someone we have no information about. But as we start to find niches on YouTube that work, let's say we're working with like a fishing channel and we saw a lot of success and we know that we can pay a 30 or $40 CPM in order to hit our CAC for that channel. If we find another fishing channel, we can get a pretty good idea that it might be, it might be similar. Um, so really it's all about trying to, you know, spend what we feel comfortable with at, at like a, a broad scale. And then once you have more information, you can get more granular in how you're pricing. Jeremy, one, another question that I have is like, how do you think of influence? Is it, is it, is it its own channel? Is it a performance channel? Is it a top of funnel channel in terms of like awareness? Cause it's a little bit of both, right? Like a lot of times it's really tough, even if it's a creator that you trust, it's like really tough. I mean, for a brand, you're thinking about it, you're like, oh, obviously I'm going to pay this creator and they're going to post and I'm going to get a bunch of downloads. But at the same time, when you're in the, I guess, in the user seat or the customer seat and you see something, that may not be the time that you actually convert. So the attribution becomes tough. So you as a marketer, are you thinking of your influencer strategy as uh, performance, as awareness as a mixture of both like how do you think of it yeah i think we think of it as a mixture of both but i've always in practice thought of it as a as a performance channel so like to me it's really hard to get to a point where you're spending a lot on influencer marketing if you're only considering it awareness channel because it's really hard to justify that spend and i personally think there are really good and creative ways of still doing good influence marketing that's still direct response and still performance-based. And again, at all the companies I've, I've worked for, we, we've spent we've been able to spend a lot of money on a monthly basis while still tracking all that back to a return on ad spend. And I think it's possible to do that. I think a, a, a lot of people get caught up in like, um, you know, splitting spend between awareness and, and direct response. But ultimately, it's like, if we can bring everything back in direct response, then we can justify every dollar we spend. So what are some of the ways that you're doing that like with Sundays? I think you gave the, a great example of a, an activation that you did with Call of Duty where, you know, the the funding had to be done through the specific uh, bank account or whatever. But how do you like in practice, right? I think one of the funny things I see with creators is like you'll see creators, you see them talking about products and sometimes CTAs and attribution are like really clear and other times like I'll be watching other creators create product and I'm like that's obviously paid but like how the hell are they tracking that right like it was just like a poorly executed campaign so um for you who like and you and Sundays you guys are obviously very performance driven and you want to be able to track and you want to be able to get attribution for it what are some of the ways in which you've done these campaigns that you're able to drive clear you know CTAs whether through a code a link etc yeah, I mean, we're we're pretty strict. Like like I said, we give a lot of creative freedom, and we want people to integrate Sundays in a way that's natural. But at the end of the day, like if there's one thing that has to be there every time, it's hey, click the link in my description for X percent off. Use my code, whatever. Because at the end of the day, like in order for me and and creators understand this, like in order for me to go ahead and rebook this, it has to perform, and therefore at the end of the day, they have to they have to drive that performance. So like as creative as we get with like how the products integrate integrated and like what they're doing and like trying to keep the audience engaged instead of just saying like now here's a word from our sponsor and going off to a point where people are skipping like 
I think the key is you want to you want to keep the audience engaged by doing something that's interesting, but then also still be able to hit them with a very clear CTA. And like, so I talked about the like competitive competitive advantage of SeatGeek being able to trade tickets and experiences, and therefore you get lower prices. I think our competitive advantage at Sundays is is dogs. People love dogs, and like. I think the obvious thing when I first started was like, okay, we can work with like the dog creators who like the dog is at the forefront of the content. But what I was more excited about and what we've seen a lot of success with is the people, the influencers who have really never shown their dog in their content or rarely show their dog in their content. And when that dog hops up onto their chair or whatever, it's like, hey, I'm, I want to talk to you about our sponsor. Here's my dog. And like people love that. People want it. People love their favorite creators. They want to know what their life is like behind the scenes. So, and, and people love dogs. So when you see that creator that you love's pet and you see them interacting with their pet, that's exciting, keeps you around. And then we, we can talk about Sundays and, and all the benefits of it. So that's kind of like what I see as like our advantage in terms of keeping people engaged. And then we can get to the CTA. We are really excited to announce that DTC Pod is officially part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. The HubSpot Podcast Network is the audio destination for business professionals, and we're really excited about being part of the network because we're going to be able to keep growing the show, bringing you guys amazing guests, and obviously helping you guys learn from the best founders, marketers, and builders of the most successful consumer brands. So anyway, keep listening to DTC Pod and more shows like us on the HubSpot Podcast Network at HubSpot.com slash podcast network yeah and i think that's a also really interesting right like obviously it would be really easy to just go after creators that are specifically dog creators uh but knowing that in general audiences tr- audiences tr- have a trust for the creators or influencers that they follow and understanding that if there is alignment you can you know work with someone who maybe isn't so obvious and maybe all your competitors aren't working it's like hey wasn't that guy just working with you know, farmer's dog last month and like some other dog food company the month before. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, getting creative with it. And then also maybe that audience isn't so exhausted um, of seeing all those same things. So this leads me into my next question, which is you've had the opportunity to work with a bunch of different creators for Sundays, a lot of different angles. Why don't you tell me, uh, tell us about some of the most creative um, campaigns that you've seen some of these influencers launch? Like what were the ideas behind the creative what were some of the things that you thought like oh shit that's never gonna con- never gonna perform and then it like really performed or, or vice versa i think th- i thought this idea was gonna pop and then it didn't like what are just some of the you know real-time examples of what you're seeing from the creative side yeah yeah uh one of my favorite early ones was i, I mean one of our biggest benefits at, at sundays is that it's human grade like real human ingredients for for dog food um, so you could, you as a person could eat it. And we've had influencers in their videos actually go and eat the food, which I think is funny. And I think it's a really compelling point. Like if a person can eat this food, then your dog, like you wouldn't sit there and eat kibble, you know, you, you would, you would, but you could eat, eat Sunday, uh, which I thought was a, a really good one. Um, some other thing, I mean, we've been, we've had like some surprise where it's like, you know, random categories that we didn't expect to work working. Like we had like a film review channel work really well for us. Where again, that's someone who doesn't really ever show his dog. He's in a studio and he's talking about movies, but when he brings his dog on set and and feeds him Sundays, it's it's interesting to people. And you know, we're still pretty early in the process of like just testing things and figuring out what, what works. So we haven't gotten as you know super into like the creative weeds as I would like yet. Because again, I think it's the kind of thing where. You know, we we now have some partners that are recurring, 
Um, but you have to build that trust before you start to do some really interesting and like, you know, maybe it's putting an influencer and their dog on the box or, you know, there's, there's a lot of different ideas we have that we're excited about. Um, but yeah. And, and what does your outreach look like? Do you guys do any product seeding, like where you're looking for other, you know, creators who may not be like massive influencers with a YouTube channel? Are you guys doing any product seeding where you're just sending product for free so long as they post or are you, have you guys graduated to the point where you're solely focused your operation on like bigger creators that are like more, you know, paid performance engagements? Yeah, we have a, a we're we're pretty open to to everything. So we have a, a commission program for for smaller creators. That's actually really interesting because it's a lifetime commission program rather than like a you know first time acquisition commission program. Which again gets back to the whole point of like mutually beneficial. Like a lot of creators when they hear the word commission, they're out. It's like all right, I, I just don't really think this is going to be beneficial to me. But with this, it's like okay. I'm going to get paid 15% every time someone not only orders from Sundays with my code, but every time they order again, I'm getting another 15%. Um, so that's how we generally work with this with smaller creators. Um, and then the larger creators, we're doing obviously like flat fee, flat fee partnerships and stuff we've, we've been talking about. But we also do a lot of gifting. We send out a lot of product to creators, especially like if I'm negotiating with someone and we just can't get something done, I still love to send them product anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're working with all different kind, all different sizes of creators. Yeah. I'd love to, uh, chat more on that. So on the outreach specifically, are there any bullet points or things that people should cover? Should it be an open-ended outreach? Because like you say, you're like, oh, I'm just going to get people for commission, but you might be leaving a lot on the table on a creator that actually had a good CPM and he just didn't even respond because he's not interested in commissions and then if you have the outreach of like hey we're willing to pay x grand per v- video whatever like you're just kind of negotiating with yourself um so w- what are your thoughts there yeah i mean like the way i think about it is obviously myself and my team only have so much time in a day and therefore like we're optimizing for you know we're op- optimizing for cpa obviously but also we're optimizing for reach and working with the biggest influencers we can so unfortunately, like a lot of times you just don't have the time to work with some of these smaller creators on like a more direct basis. And that's why we have this program so that we can aggregate some of the smaller creators. But generally, like if we see that someone in that program is doing really well, we we try to, you know, be be more, you know, maybe it's booking more videos with them so that they can get some of that flat fee money um, and just working with them more. Um, but I'd rather, you know, have them at least, you know, offer them this commission program then have nothing at all for them. And in terms of outreach, I mean, we're reaching out to creators all the time. I, I generally leave my outreach pretty open and it's like, hey, I, you know, lead influencer at Sundays for Dogs. Here's our product, just like a blur about our product. Let me know if you're interested in working together. I, I, I mean, and maybe this is just my personal bias, but when I get a cold outreach email that's over three sentences long, I, I'm immediately, I, 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 just, I just don't, you know, I generally don't look at it. So I try to be like as quick and concise as possible. Here's who I am. Here's what I want. And here's how I think we can work together. Um, and then obviously it's a longer negotiation process of like, okay, here's move on to YouTube integration and here's what we can offer and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what our process is. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And, you know, it seems like the life of an influencer marketer is like inbox 80% of the time you're in your email. So I totally get when like, you know, and it's same for the creator, right? Like they're getting so many emails a day. They don't, 
they don't want to hear a whole blurb about like a whole paragraph of why your your product because then it sounds like it's you 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 um rather than also making it about them and so something short concise will trigger a response if they're interested they're going to go on the website they're going to learn more um and then you get to the discovery phase so um it actually on the discovery phase what do you do to maximize the chances of the partnership being successful so like you know you can have your own notion document with like all the info about the company talking points etc you could just send that out you can take the the high touch approach of like hey we're gonna get on a call we're gonna talk about this um or is there a balance in between both of those approaches there's a balance um general like our influencer guide in terms of like the talking points i'll usually send that just because it's like we we try to keep it really open and we try to keep it really like user-friendly of like, Hey, here's, here's high level what we are. Um, with bigger creators hopping on a call is always great, but it's, you know, not always like feasible. Um, but anytime you can hop on a call with, with a creator and like really put a, they can put a face to the name, put a face to the brand. Um, it makes a huge difference. Um, and, and I've found that like the most successful partnerships I've done at any company is like the creators that, we've worked with for a while we've been on calls we've been in meetings we've we've had lunch whatever like those partnerships just go a long way because the 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 create again it's all about the relationship and the the mutual trust but like depending on the size of the creator is how high touch we can be with stuff like that hey jeremy as we kind of wrap up here um i'm curious if there's any other either channels or unique sort of creators that you guys are looking at or working with um you know i know I, i've talked about this a bunch with like uh dan who's also at sundays and and oversees a bunch of the marketing and like i know dan was really big in podcasting for example before podcasting was like a thing right and so like whenever i ch- whenever i chat with dan he's always like looking for the newest channel where you're gonna find like an arbitrage are there any uh, things or new platforms or new channels that you're looking at in in the future um, with Sundays? Yeah, I mean, one of the things we're pretty excited about right now is we just launched on TikTok Shop. Um, only our samples right now because it doesn't support subscriptions, but we're probably going to get full-size orders on there soon. But one of the problems with doing influencer stuff on TikTok, we've kind of talked about it a little bit, is like this idea of it's really hard to get from... It, it's really hard to to track because it's hard to get people to the bio, to the link, and and through all these hoops to go and, and buy a product. TikTok Shop makes that really easy. Um, the other reason TikTok is 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 hard to do is because, like again, with the short form content, you really have to tie the content to the to the brand and the integration. But I'm excited about TikTok Shop because it gives us a really good way of of integrating into content on TikTok and having a really easy customer journey to even to at least just try a sample. So that's one of the things we're pretty excited about. Another thing I want to get into is uh, when I was at Current, we were getting really into Twitch and live um, and it worked really well for us. And it's it's an intimidating platform and intimidating uh, format to get into because it's CPMs are incredibly high. But there's a reason for that. It's because like this person is sitting there watching live. It's very different than uh, views on YouTube where somebody could be watching passively, whatever. Like people are very engaged on these live platforms. And then the other risk is like it's live. So it's not, you don't get the approvals. You don't get to sit there and say like, oh, we need to cut this out or you can't say that. Um, but it's it, live is a super powerful format um, that we're looking to get into as well. 
No, I was going to say, I'm curious, just, I just keep hearing of like, you know, what, what you guys are exploring, what you're getting into, what is, um, what does your current team look like for managing these operations? And then, you know, what, what is a, what is a good size team to be able to tackle the the type of stuff that you guys are doing? Yeah. Right now it's just two of us. I will two and a half, I should say. We also have some help from uh, our paid social team as well. Um, so pretty lean right now. Again, we're still very early in like the testing phase, trying to figure out stuff that works. Um, but we'll probably be looking to hire early next year. Um, again, I, I think you you can do you can have a fully scaled influence marketing program that's spending millions of dollars a month with four or five people. Um, it's the kind of thing that you just have to, and you don't even you don't need any type of platform to do that either. You, I do it all in Airtable and Zapier and, and things that are accessible to anybody. Um, and I think it's the kind of thing people are intimidated by, but it's entirely possible if you just follow the the you know these core things that we've talked about. Just like working with creators who have actual influence on platforms where they can actually influence those people. Um, giving them creative freedom and tracking it all. Yeah, I love what you mentioned. You all you need is a Google Sheet. You don't you don't need a platform that costs thirty grand because you're tapping into the same creator database that every other company. They're not discriminating for your other competitors. I could go on and on with this. I spent years in that industry. No, no longer there. Um, and I just think that in house is like the best way for managing influencer relationships. Absolutely. And it's also, it's such a qualitative game too. Like a lot of these platforms, like, okay, that's great. I can search by a US percentage that's this high and age that's this and followers that this and engagement percentage that's this. But like that doesn't really tell you a lot. And a lot of times it's really just about, I, I, the, every influencer program I've ever worked with, it, it's like, it, it'll never be as good as just getting onto YouTube yourself and watching and digging in and digging into these platforms and watching content sitting there when you're watching a video and saying, okay, who is this video for? And you could generally get a pretty good idea without the demographics. Now, I think geography is important. Obviously, like if you have US products, you don't want to be working with influencers with a 30% US percentage. But in terms of like just getting an idea of like who's actually watching this content, you can do that all yourself. And again, like the, the quantitative stuff is good in terms of guiding you. Um, but ultimately, you have to learn to just to watch the content, read the comments and decide who act, who has actual influence. Yeah, I think that's a key point for anyone that's listening to like looking to hire a head of influencer, um, like the head of influencer having having hobbies or things that in their actual life, like you know, have something to do with the product as well, um, or really understand the audience and the demographic, because they're just going to come across the best opportunities in their daily life. Like, you know, Blaine and I built this company now, Cast Magic for Podcasters. Blaine and I are podcasters. So our feed and our YouTube is already just showing us creators. We're not searching for them, but Blaine will like DM me, check out this creator that just came across my feed. And that's how we'll find an amazing opportunity. Um, it wasn't because they were on a list of like top 20 creators for podcasters because like their inbound is probably popping off by, by that point. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's really about putting yourselves in the shoes of your customer. And like, it's funny, you get to a point where you don't even realize it, but it's like you can look at a YouTube channel and be like, this will work or this won't work. And then like, it's always, I always find it funny when you have like a new person start on the team or an intern or whatever, and they'll, they'll send you a channel. And it's so clear to you that this wouldn't work, but they they don't have that yet because they're just looking at the the followers, the views, 
and maybe the demographics, but like because you are so in tune with the customer and with the product, you you have an idea of what will work. Yeah, and and as we, as we get towards the end here, I think um, how do you and I know you probably know this by looking within three seconds. If it's a BS account, um, if the views are fake, if the comments are fake, I know this has probably become an instinct for you now. Um, or, 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 you know, people can be clever with it. How do you identify that? Yeah, there, there's a few things I look at and it's always difficult, but like one of the things I like to look at just for, not even for like, if you have fake followers, but if you are an influencer who has real influence is like, can you move your audience across channels? So if you're getting, you know, if you've got, you know, a few hundred thousand views on YouTube, but I go to your Instagram and you have a thousand followers, I'm immediately asking myself, why hasn't your audience why why aren't they following you to other platforms? And I think that that's not not always a signal that those views on YouTube are fake, but it is a signal that maybe the content is maybe those views are about the content or about the subject. It's not about the person. At the end of the day, like there's a lot of content on YouTube that gets a lot of views, but it's not about the person. If a person doesn't show their face in the content, I find that doesn't work often. A lot of like documentary style content won't work often because they they're caring about the subject matter. Uh, and not the the person. Also, you have like you have YouTube channels that are like I call them like SEO channels, where it's like you know how to use a screwdriver. I don't know. It's like people are capitalizing on high SEO topics, but like that video might have a million views, but they have all their other views have a hundred because they're not an influencer. They're just capitalizing on on search terms. Like there's a lot of little nuance. Um, that like you get used to as you start to work with these channels and and test things. Yeah, I I think that's a great call out. Um, when you're working with creators, uh, you know, know what you're going after, know why they're getting traffic, where their traffic sources are, where they're coming from. Is it because their audience just loves them as a human being, or is it because they're, um, you know, they have a different strategy that they're building out, and maybe it's great for some videos, but maybe it's not going to perform as well for yours. So, um. Anyway, Jeremy, thanks so much for coming on. For our listeners who want to connect with you or find out more about you and Sundays, where can we find you? Sure. Uh, for myself, uh, just on Twitter, well, X, I guess you want to call it that, at Jeremy Barbara. Just tweet about influencer stuff generally. And then SundaysforDogs.com. Check us out if you have a dog. It's you know a great blend of good ingredients without having to cook meals for your dog. Um, check it out. Use, let me think of a promo code. I think... Uh, promo code jeremy might be 35 percent off but i can get back to you on that yeah well we'll add it to the show notes as well yeah <laughs> awesome well thank you for the time jeremy this was awesome yeah thank you guys really appreciate it thanks for tuning in and we hope you enjoyed this episode of dtc pod if you enjoyed the show we'd love your support a rating and a review would go a long way as we continue to host the best builders in dtc and beyond follow and subscribe to the show and make sure to check out our show notes where you can find our socials and weekly newsletter Visit us on dtcpod.com to join our founder community and access resources from every episode. We'll see you on the next pod.